Coming up on All About Android, we invite Nick Butcher and Florina Muntinescu, both from Google, uh, who are in town for the Android Developer Summit that starts tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about some developer topics with them. And then we get into the full show. Flo checks uh, checks in with her Pixel 4 to let us know what she thinks so far, how Samsung's uh, Galaxy S10 can be unlocked with any fingerprint, depending on what screen protector you're using. The new Motorola Razr now has a date, your email, and a whole lot more coming up next on All About Android. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This episode of All About Android is brought to you by Plex. With Plex, you can organize and stream your personal collection of movies, TV shows, music, and photos anywhere on any device. Plex is offering Twit listeners a 30-day free trial of Plex Pass, which gives you access to all their premium features. Go to plex.tv slash twit and enter code twit to start your free trial today. And by ExpressVPN, protect your online privacy with one click. Yes, it's that easy. For three extra months free with a one-year package, just go to expressvpn.com slash allaboutandroid. Hello and welcome to All About Android, episode 443, recorded on Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019, your weekly source for latest news, hardware, and apps for the Android faithful. I'm Jason Howell. And I'm Ron Richards. And I'm Florence Ion. Even we- better internet. Nice. Yeah, things are looking a little little clearer Hooray. this time around. Uh, it's great to have you both here, and we have another both to refer to mm-hmm. as well. We've got two guests tonight uh, joining us for an interview here at the top of the show. Super thrilled to welcome two fantastic people, Florina Muntinescu, who's the uh, Android Developer Advocate at Google, and Nick Butcher, Design and Developer Advocate at Google. You guys, uh, it's great to have you on tonight. Thank you for hopping on with us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, it's good to get you on. We actually uh, have you on timed with something that begins tomorrow. I'm sure people in years past have heard us talk on this show about the Android uh, Developer Summit and Dev Summit uh, 2019. That's that's what begins tomorrow. Where is this taking place? Is this in San Francisco or is this down in Mountain View, kind of similar to like a, a Google I.O. Um, you know, down near the campus? It's in Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale. Okay. At one of our campuses there. Okay, right on. Cool. So that begins tomorrow, and that that goes October twenty third through the twenty mm-hmm. fourth. Uh, so the next couple of days, and obviously in the name, it's a very developer focused uh, event. Google I O also is is developer focused, but there's a whole lot. I don't know. Would you say that there's a different kind of presence from from people who are just kind of like fans of the Google brand or, or journalists, that sort of thing, uh, at Google I.O. when compared to something like the Andev Summit? Yeah, the, the goal with the Android Developer Summit is really is our chance for the Android team, a lot of the engineers on the Android team, to really speak directly to our amazing developers. So it, the focus is entirely on that. So we might perhaps go a little bit deeper into some of the technologies. There might be less like product announcements. It's more about this is how you build with it. This is how you actually make these real uh, amazing apps that all the Android um, 
users love and value so much. So yeah, there's a slightly different focus, less around press, less around announcements, more about um, having some time with these amazing developers and listening to them, getting a chance to meet them and hear their stories and really like find out what they're struggling with, what we can help with, what they want from the Android platform. That is fantastic. People who want to uh, check out kind of what's going on here, kind of sim- in similar fashion to Google I.O., it looks like a lot of the, um, the the keynotes and the the talks and everything are are going to be live streamed. So if you got go to goo.gle slash ads nineteen dash live stream, that's goo.gle slash ads nineteen dash live stream. You can check out the live stream for some of the talks that are happening. Both of you have live streamed uh, talks. Uh, Florina, you have one tomorrow, and then Nick, you have one on Thursday. Uh, maybe we maybe we should start there, Florina. Florina, you uh, you have your event tomorrow. It's at twelve o five p.m. Pacific. You're going to be talking about something called Room Two Point Two. Now, I will I will go ahead and preface by saying that there are there are three of us that do this show each and every week. None of us are like a true developer of Android. So we lean heavily on those of you who know. <laughs> Much more about what you're talking about when it comes to the developer stuff. So this, uh, I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear your take, Florina. What, tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about tomorrow. So Room, apart from a very big source of puns, uh, also <laughs> opens the door to an easier way to handle databases in Android. Um, so we've launched uh, this, this library called Room two years ago, and then we've been iterating and building different versions along the time. And uh, yeah, tomorrow I'll be speaking together with uh, Danny Santiago, one of the engineers on the library, on the latest version. Yeah, Room is really uh, one of these kind of components of what we're calling like a Jetpack libraries, which right. is the modern way for developers to build Android applications, where we recognize that there's a diversity of users and devices out there, and that Android has like evolved and grown with that to ha- and provide tools to make it faster and easier for developers to ship um, features to their users. And so Room is like one of these components, which, you know, does a lot of the kind of boilerplate boilerplate or heavy lifting to make it easier for developers to ship the features they care about and spend less time with the nuts and bolts. Right on. Yeah. So Android Jetpack, obviously, that's a that's a big deal. We had um, uh, we we, we had some talk around Google I.O. about Jetpack. and this is really all about kind of kind of changing the complexity around coding and making things easier. So much of this Google of, of this year's Google I.O. seemed to be tailored to that, really just kind of making uh, coding for Android a lot easier, you know, with with Kotlin, of course, and and the tools that you have uh, with Android Jetpack. How I mean, just in practice, how are you seeing this this play out with developers? What's the kind of feedback that you're getting from uh, from folks who are having that interaction with Jetpack and, and are, are used to working with that now? So in general, we see that like our hope of making things easier to build is is actually there. So like right now, I think Jetpack has like 70 libraries ranging from like the database that I mentioned all the way to simplifying the work with the camera API. So like really a, a whole range of, of APIs. And uh, at least for now, the, the feedback was positive. And as, as uh, Nick was saying, what I like about ADS is hearing, okay, what else are we missing? What new features for existing libraries or you know, just getting ideas of, of libraries from, from developers? I, mean, I think the reception has been phenomenal. I think it's largely because 
it was almost uh, because we've listened to a lot of these problems we kind of went out there and spoke to a lot of developers and asked them what they are struggling with and they told us that uh, Android is really really powerful but sometimes there can be lots that they have to do themselves or many ways to do themselves and they wanted us to be more opinionated and provide these larger kind of building blocks so they didn't have to assemble everything themselves from the starting points um, so I think you know we really listened and brought that back inside the teams and I think the, as such, the, the reception has been phenomenal. People are like, yes, this is exactly what we needed because we listen and we've continued to listen and launch new building blocks and continue to improve and iterate on the ones we have. Yeah, we're working a lot with uh, with developers like from understanding, okay, what are the priorities? So you're telling us that we should build all of these, I don't know, 100 libraries. What What's the priority for these? But also when we're building a specific library, we're working with um, UX researchers to see, okay, are we building the right thing? Are we really solving the problem in a way that you expect it to be solved? It's it's almost like you're 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 coding for co like you're building a code base for coders to build code to build apps with. Like it's almost <laughs> like an it's an interesting engineering challenge there, and in, in terms of how you're focusing the resources to make sure that you're enabling developers to use those resources to make better applications. It's, that's got to be a weird mind space, right? Yeah. Uh, and we also build the tools that we use to build those libraries for developers, so we can go deeper yeah. if you like. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's a it's not it's recursive, a, but it's like one of those like when like, you post a, on Instagram someone's story and they post that story and they post that story. It's like a it's a, it's a Russian a nesting, nesting doll. doll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a nesting doll. So Android architecture components, uh, you know, this was introduced back in IO twenty seventeen. So a couple of years to kind of develop uh, and and mature around that. How how would you say they've changed how developers code for Android these past years, past few years? Like, what what have been the big changes to come through that? I think massively. So um, together with uh, with the architecture components, we also launched a guide to app architecture. So this is the first time when we were actually opinionated on how you should build your apps, and we actually saw a massive change in the way developers really build their app. They started architecting um, in the way we were suggesting. So having having things more separate that allow developers to afterwards build faster, to iterate uh, uh, faster on their code, to add to easier easier ads new features, for example. Um, and then in the architecture components, we now ended up having libraries for almost all layers in the app. So from the databases to even working with the with the UI and displaying uh, lists easier. So we're really trying to cover the entire spectrum of, uh, of libraries that developers need to, I don't know, ship the basic architecture. Yeah, right on. Uh, and then... Uh Let's see here. Well, actually, Flo, I think I think you have this because you were kind of interested in the APIs, and I think that's kind of where we're at. The material APIs is a really big deal, theming, that sort of stuff. So take it away. I mean, anytime there's anything to do with theming, of course I'm interested. <laughs> of course. For me, <laughs> well, I mean, for me being the user, <laughs> I get to really dive into that. And so I'm curious uh, from you guys, like what are some, ex you know, we have these new material APIs, this new theming API, uh, that we're hearing a lot about as users, like what what are some exciting elements that you know we should be aware of, both users of Android and developers of Android. 
Yeah, um, I think material theming itself is the most exciting thing there, to be honest. So I think like um, when material, the very first version of it launched, I think everyone really liked, you know, that we brought a level of consistency and design to the platform. But there were some concerns about how much of your own brand or personality you could express. Mm -hmm. and that's why I think material theming is amazing, because it allows um, developers to use the same components, you know, so you don't have to redesign what a button is or what a tab is, or all these like, you know, basic building blocks. Um, but it lets you customize it. Let you like um, provide your own parameters of um, like colors and um, typography and different shape systems, and like by customizing these things, um, it ripples out and all of the kind of controls, the buttons and so on, uh, react to it. So that's what I'm most excited about is um, ways that the apps can bring more of their own personality and spend more time like doing the things that are unique to them and less time in like redesigning these like very basic concepts or, or patterns. So I think that's good. I'm really excited to see how we can take that even further and bring more um, elements of personalization into your app so you can really, really kind of like embed your brand, your look and feel um, into applications. It's it's funny you say that because I'm 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 actually working on a project myself and where you we used Material as the base UI uh, uh -huh. to build actually a, it's a web app that we're reporting to be native and sure. one of the things that we're struggling with with one of the members of the team who's not who, who's not familiar with Material is like well this just looks generic it looks like everything else I was like right right we're in the prototype phase once we get past that we can customize and make it our own look. And it mm -hmm. do, it doesn't have to you know just be to the letter material theming. You can bring your own identity to it, and that's something I think people miss like miss on when they're trying to understand how material can be used within apps. Yeah, they should come to my talk on uh, yeah. Thursday <laughs> where I'll be speaking more about this. Little plug yeah. there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it ships with this kind of baseline theme. So you're probably seeing a lot of purple in your application right now. Um, and that's like intentionally kind of quite plain because we want people to inject their personality. Um, right. I think, you know, the first version of Material launch that we had, uh, you know, a bunch of color palettes and so on, um, which people liked, but almost um, considered it restrictive that we were saying you should only use these mm. colors. And that's not entirely like what we want. We want people to bring their own personality. So yeah, once you get past this prototyping stage or you know, whenever you're ready, like you start customizing these few kind of parameters and all of a sudden it's gonna transform the way it feels. It's gonna feel like your app. Okay, so there's been a lot of talk about dark theme. Again, for us users, we are just we are very thankful that this exists now. All of our eyes and, and minds and brains, I guess I should say, yeah, very really happy like for it. this. Uh, but when it comes to material theming uh, and just how developers are uh, integrating color, like how have they responded towards this move toward dark themes in Android? Um. I think this is the, there's a huge groundswell of like user demand for this feature. Like you say, like yeah. I think everyone is excited personally about being able to use the device how they want to use it. They be able to use it in kind of like low light environments or with accessibility needs. Uh, you know, supporting that. So I think um, developers are responding well to that because they see the users demanding it. Um, so we've seen um, not only that, but we've actually seen applications like have business results, you know, having longer session times as well when you implement these um, these dark modes. And I think it's really about respecting how the users want to use your app. So we've seen like um, fairly like strong adoption of that. Are you seeing many developers opt for the, because I remember um, from Google I.O. there was like the official way of up updating your app uh, mm -hmm. to the dark theme. And then there was the kind of more interim way. And I keep uh, where you can, you can have it just like automatically reverse, I think, the mm -hmm. UI elements leaving yeah, some of no, the we, images we alone. Sorry, yeah, we recognize it. It's a ton of work for developers to, um, you know, to 
update their application. You know, if you have a ton of screens, it's going to be a you know an amount of work to do yeah. this. So yeah, we in. Um, Android P, we provided a, a system called Forstock, which um, allows the system to kind of semi-intelligently try and like darken an app for you. But that's definitely like a migration step. We we still recommend that you know your app you want to control exactly how it looks and exactly you know how things respond. And so while the system tries to help you out and 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 do things for you, we we kind of recommend that as a migration step. So we've seen people use this, but definitely as an interim step to get to like a final like um you know you want to control exactly what shade of blue something gets darkened too, you know? Right, yeah, and I keep wondering if I'm going to like be able to spot it. You know, I'm like, well, it's not the same thing, so am I going to open this app and be like, oh, that's that like automatic dark theming thing. Who knows? I mean, maybe I have and I just didn't didn't know. I'm almost kind of glad that I'm not yeah. <laughs> a, I'm not a developer or a designer because I probably, my OCD kind of, or whatever it is, yeah. would kick in and I'd want to make sure uh-huh. every color is shaded oh, in totally. the appropriate opposite spectrum to work. And <laughs> yeah, there we go. It, it would be hard to just let it go and be like, you know what? You, you make the decision for me. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great interim step. Nice to know that it, that it exists there. Um, so I, I should I should uh, preface and say that friend of the show, Mike Wolfson, who has been on many, many times, usually Mike comes on either right before or right after Google I.O., but I think usually right before he's he's like our I.O. preview prediction sort of uh, sort of guest. And, and we absolutely love him. He he was the one that kind of got this ball rolling uh, for bringing you both on. So first of all, big thanks to Mike for for making that happen and being like, I think this needs to happen. But he also kind of provided some questions. So again, thanks to Mike for, because he was like, I just really want to hear them answer some of these questions. So some of these questions are from Mike. One of his questions was, uh, if developers are looking for some sort of a high impact win when it comes to uh, these APIs, what should they be looking toward? What is something that a developer can look toward and be like, you know what, and maybe it doesn't take much effort, uh, but it just makes all the difference. What would you say? Okay. I'd say um, Kotlin. It would be my, my first thing I thought of when you say that. How convenient. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Kotlin is a, a new um, programming language um, from JetBrains. and. Yeah. We've had, you know, amazing adoption of it, um, but some folks haven't. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I'd say it's really worth the investment. I mean, there's, there's a switching cost, obviously. We understand that. Um, but once you, you kind of cross that chasm, like you're so much more productive and happier that I think that that's the biggest benefit I could ever recommend. If you're not using it, then you should. And also it's going to be a precursor for a lot of the kind of cool newer stuff we're working on. So Jetpack Compose, for example, is something we started talking about at Google I.O., which is entirely built on top of Kotlin. So I'd say, like, now is the time to convert if you haven't yet. Yeah, we've actually yeah. said that here at I.O. we announced that we're going Kotlin first. Mm-hmm. So explain yeah, so Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, we, we've talked, we've, you know, for the past, I feel like it's been a couple of years now that Kotlin's been knocking around. And mm-hmm. it's kind of for those of us who aren't on the developer side, we, you know, like, I know Kotlin is really important because I've, you know, dug into it a little and understand what it does for developers um, and why it makes it, you know, that, that much more preferable. But now we're starting to hear Kotlin first. And so ex- for those who don't know and haven't heard that term, basically, what does Kotlin first mean and what does it mean for the development community? Yeah, so... Especially because we've seen that developers are so productive and happy, we decided that, okay, then Kotlin should be the way to go uh, with Android. So uh, from now, for example, a lot of um, APIs became Kotlin friendly. But then apart from this, some new uh, libraries like the the Compose that uh, Nick mentioned before, but also some existing libraries are now 
um, written in Kotlin completely. So this means that as developers, we strongly encourage you to adopt Kotlin in your app. Similarly, when we're talking about things like sample code, you'll see these in Kotlin from now on. On our official documentation, while you still see Kotlin and uh, Java together, Kotlin will be the first language showing up there in the in the pane, mm -hmm. in the sample pane. Yeah. And it's about, you know, we really rec recognize this as the future. So like uh, it's kind of a new set of assumptions. So Compose, for example, is entirely built on things that we can do in Kotlin that we weren't able to do beforehand. So it's like an embracing of that fact and saying that, yeah, this is the you know productive future that we want, that we can make better APIs for our developers using this language. So we're going to fully embrace it. But when we do this, it's like we're not going to tell you, go start using Kotlin just like that. But we're also trying to help developers uh, learn Kotlin. So we're doing this in multiple ways. So both through like, I don't know, we have series of articles or talks to help you learn Kotlin. But we also did um, together with the JetBrains, a series of events called Kotlin Everywhere. So with this, we are uh, supporting the community to organize uh, Kotlin Everywhere events where they can uh, uh, teach Kotlin or how to build different things in Kotlin, either in Android or cloud or backend or whatever, everywhere. Because um, Kotlin can be used everywhere. Yeah, and uh, yeah, hopefully with that, we can help developers also make that step towards Kotlin easier. It, it comes off slightly cult-like, <laughs> to be honest. The Kotlin just, cult. <laughs> <laughs> once, you, once you write it, I go back to trying to write um, Java programming language, and I, I find myself kind of like tripping over. Like, I have to write all these words I didn't have to write. I feel like I'm kind of like carrying a weight around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's either either cult-like or freeing and enabling. I don't know. Pick, pick your poison. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think I think it's probably the latter, and that's that's probably yeah. <laughs> why each and every year Kotlin comes up at a conference like Google I.O. and get, seems to get like the most audience response. And I, you know, and I think that kind of ties in with what Andev Summit is probably all about. Uh, seems mm -hmm. to be all about Google I.O. and what what you guys do on a regular basis, which is lowering the barriers for developers so that they can produce great apps or great experiences for Android much easier. And that's kind of like the definition from my understanding of what Kotlin is all about. It just really seems to make it that much easier. And that's why people are so excited about it. Yeah, I think the um, Kotlin tagline is modern and pragmatic language. And I, that really resonates with me. Like it gives you like all the latest kind of like programming techniques you can use, but in a really pragmatic way. It isn't too kind of um, like theoretical or anything like that. It really helps you to be productive. And that's what we want for Android developers. We want them to be happy and productive. Yeah. So there are a lot of obviously positives to taking on Kotlin, but what are maybe some downsides with kind of with kind of going behind Kotlin saying like here, this is what we would really uh, have you all migrate to? Mm -hmm. I think the downside would be the fact that the Kotlin language um, brings a lot of features that are only available in Kotlin. So, for example, um, you can use core routines. And then if you try it, to use that from a, a Java code base, that's not really friendly. Mm -hmm. um, so this means that to take advantage of some of these APIs, you would need to migrate more and more of your code to Kotlin. And we do know that this... This isn't hard, but it's something that's time consuming. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that would be the downside. Uh, the one I would call out that we we hear loud and clear from our developer audience is the build times can be a little bit slower, but the team is hard mm -hmm. at work. This is like literally like the biggest thing we are working on for, for um, 
you know, resolving this problem to make it, you know, like we say, we want to make developers productive. So that includes the time it takes to actually build their code into applications. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, and it's funny because Nick, you mentioned, you know, that you, you, you know, go back to writing in Java and like, oh, I can't do that after Kotlin mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But you have, you have a base level knowledge of, of Java and, you know, doing Android before Kotlin. If there's some, you know, a couple of, you know, a while back on the show, we often talk about somebody wanted to get into Android development. Would you suggest now at this point, a kid getting out of school who wants to develop Android apps, start with Kotlin? And, and is that the best way to get into Android development, the fastest way to get stuff going? Or do you still recommend they go through the paces of learning Java and the, the old way of doing it? No, I'd absolutely recommend they start with Kotlin. Uh, not only is it this modern language, so you're not having to learn a kind of um, a lot of uh, you know older techniques, perhaps. Uh, but also, I think one of the great things is the tooling is fantastic. It comes from JetBrains, who are a tooling company at heart. They make some incredible tools that we love. Um, so if you're learning, you know, having this really fast kind of um, feedback mechanism where you can write some code, get some feedback really quickly, is great for learning. So um, you know, for example, you can go try.kotlinlang.org, I think it is, and just type some code in the browser and have it run and that kind of like speed of feedback is like is fantastic cool and um another another one of mike's questions one thing that he was curious about is this idea of writing code for multiple platforms writing one piece of code running Mm -hmm. on multiple platforms uh curious to know if you think that's going to become the norm and you know there, there's got to be some positives and negatives to that right obviously the positive is it yeah. makes it easier to write for multiple platforms uh but there's probably some downsides too so do you think that's the future is this the direction that we're heading more and more every day yeah i mean kotlin has this multi-platform um, technology which i i think is really promising um because one of the downsides to lots of other multi-platform technologies I've seen out there is they try and do everything in one language and ends up feeling not quite native anywhere. Whereas I really like the Kotlin approach where it encourages you to share as much as makes sense, but then to do things like natively on the platforms where that makes sense too, which I think is a good approach. Um, It's still very early. So I think we're at a kind of wait and see stage. I think um, before we can really recommend people kind of jump in and take a look at this, I think we're waiting for this to mature a little bit, Uh, but I'm excited for what it promises. Yeah. Uh, and then, actually, I got a question from the from the chat room, so I'm just going to throw this out there and see, if, see if see yeah. if you're um, in a position to answer this. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, outside of of the zone, but maybe it is. Uh, Cousin of Jaw says uh, is curious to know about Flutter and what its future mm. with Android mm-hmm. is at this point. Uh, well, Google's a big company. We, we do lots of things. And I think um, we really, really like a lot of things that Flutter have done. Like, I think they've like done a fantastic job of like listening to what um, developers want from a modern UI and toolkit. Uh, that being like a, the reactive paradigm, which has a lot of benefits to it. Uh, so we like a lot of things what they're doing. Um, but I'd say from us, from the Android side of things, like we um, also hear, like Kotlin, we've been talking about a lot. A lot of developers don't want to move to a new language. And right. um, so I really think that uh, this kind of inspires some of the work we're doing around this Jetpack Compose library, which is bringing kind of the best of kind of this reactive UI paradigm um, and the best of Kotlin and, and allowing you to make an incredible Android app with it. So still very early days for Jetpack Compose, but like lots of exciting announcements to come on that, I'm sure. Yeah. There are two sessions at ADS on compose uh, that I definitely suggest checking out. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, hope hope I didn't put you into an awkward position talking about Flutter. No, no. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, one, one question that I thought was interesting here. Um, 
Mike, again, shared a very interesting example with me. I had not heard about this, about how Google keeps the user in mind, just kind of circling back to material design for a second, uh, with the development of material design. He used the example of Google measuring people's fingertips to determine the optimum uh, minimum touch point. Uh, for for these these elements and and how you know they interact with them, and the question then becomes I, I think from just from a pulling the curtain back and understanding how Google creates these things behind the scenes, do you have any other examples of how Google design and research is actually thinking about the user in these ways uh, and how those things kind of ultimately make it into production? Yeah, you wouldn't believe how much user um, studies and, and user experience research goes into all these decisions. Because to go to Ron's point you were talking about earlier, we're not just making apps, we're making the platform which developers right. use to make apps. So as such, anything we recommend has to kind of have all this forethought into how people are going to use it and, and what their demands are going to be of a system. So yeah, that we did a ton of research where we measured people's fingers and found the kind of average fingertip was seven millimeters. And that translates into our you know guidelines to developers to make your touch targets 48 DPs or larger. So I hope there's no smaller touch targets out there in your apps. Um, <laughs> Some other good examples, uh, let me think about that. So text fields, for example, are pretty common. Most apps have like a, a box where you can type text in, but you know, there's a million different ways you can you can actually like implement that. I remember seeing some um, some user studies where we had like seven different permutations of how you draw the background and you, we tested combination of all these. So it's however many different um, ways to do it. And we go off and we run user studies and we work out which ones like shave off a few milliseconds from like, you know, realizing this is an editable piece of text that I can tap on this or I can interact with this in a certain way and so doing studies like that are really really interesting and like so if it looks like you know we're presenting a final piece of you know this is how you should do text fields it's because we've done the legwork for you um, already to determine that really this is like a this works this kind of users respond well to this yeah right on nice uh, and then finally I mean uh, Flo you got this but all about learning resources which man there's so many people that, that watch this show that are looking for these resources. I mean, I'm looking for, re I mean, I was always telling myself that one of these days I'm going to make myself an app that's just all about me. It's the flow app. Uh, so if I wanted to make a flow app all about me, flow feed, flow feed. The, yes. The flow yeah. feed in app form. Uh, what are some, you know, talk about some of the free courses that Google offers in collaboration with Udacity. I mean, we hear a lot about them here at All About Android. Uh, but can you share, you know, maybe any success stories of those who have taken those particular courses? So first of all, as a co-flow, I definitely support the flow app. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's the flow feed times two, right? It could be, it could be a social network of flows and the feed of, of all their information. It would be a flow-shall network. Is, I a think, flow-shall what it network. Would. Genius. Yeah, okay. All right, good. I'm happy we have that out of the I'm way. Sure Bad the world is able to handle <laughs> I can guarantee we're not ready for it. We're not. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, in terms of resources, uh, we have a lot of collabs uh, available out there. So collabs, um, the developer. Uh, so we have a lot of collabs uh, <laughs> uh, for Android, um, a lot for Kotlin, a lot for uh, beginners, for intros in pretty much, I think, all of the libraries that we have out there. 
Um, and then we also have uh, Udacity courses. So these are more like longer term courses. I would see Colas as something that you would uh, spend maybe an hour to an hour and a half to work on, whereas Udacity courses tend to be something longer, something that maybe you would spend a couple of weeks working on. Um, so for example, one of my favorites would be uh, Kathleen Bootcamps for programmers, sorry, uh, and developing uh, Android apps with Kotlin. So here we're really going hopefully from like from beginners to um, intermediates with um, with Android development. And yeah, like you said, these are not like do this in a couple of hours. This this one that we're looking at right now, Kotlin Bootcamp for programmers, approximately two weeks, intermediate skill level. And that includes not just like it includes, it looks like quizzes, um, well, obviously, a connection with the community. Uh, yeah, a lot of videos from, uh, videos. from the instructors. That's so cool well. and offered for free, which is just amazing. Google is so does a really great job on, on the education and, and, and informing people who are interested in getting involved and not then also charging you for it. Because, I mean, I mm -hmm. guess it obviously it behooves you to get more, more people developing and creating for uh, Google products. So, um, and definitely the, the code labs at codelabs.developers.google.com mm -hmm. uh, is a great resource as well. We're, we're able to keep those kind of like really, really fresh and up to date with all the latest um, uh, libraries and jetpack goodness that we're putting out there in the world. So definitely check those out as well. Yeah. And then uh, thirdly, I would say uh, samples. So also pretty much for every library, we tend to have uh, samples that showcase how to use uh, mm -hmm. how to use these libraries. Uh, some of them are smaller, so like hello world kind of uh, examples for some libraries, but we also have some more real world kind of apps. So the um, Android Dev Summit app or the mm -hmm. Google I.O. apps, these are open source and they really show like a real full-fledged app mm -hmm. and how to use it with uh, with these libraries. Yeah, there is available at github.com slash Android. That's where all our sample applications are. Uh, so yeah, highly encourage you to check those out as well. And then maybe continuing on the resources, uh, we have an uh, Android developers medium publication uh, where, yeah, we're, I think we're publishing quite a lot, I would say, uh, different levels, like more deep dives in libraries, more like, hey, here's the latest uh, with what's new in Android. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but definitely check them out. And uh, yeah, our YouTube channel as well. So a lot of the, yes. well, pretty much all the videos that we, all the talks that we have at uh, ADS um, will be afterwards on you, on the YouTube channel. Yeah, mm -hmm. you guys have a lot of really great YouTube content. Yeah. I so wish I had these resources. Go ahead. I was saying, please build that app. We have all of these resources. <laughs> Wait, well, I was going to say, I wish I had. That's what the flow. That, that's what the Flotion app will be. It'll it'll be tying up all these resources in one easy to use place. <laughs> well, I mean, I learned HTML by just uh, ripping off other people's code and learning it uh, right. that way. So I wish yeah. I had. Listen, back in yep. the day. So yeah, I wish I had these resources. Uh, and well, there we go. You can be using people. the Android Dev Summit app, and then you can go straight to our GitHub and look at the source code and say, how do they build that? Ah, that's how. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and then just replace everything with my name. That's a good idea. Flo, start somewhere. So, you got to start somewhere, Flo. True. I mean, that's, yeah. true. Yeah. I'll never forget, I ripped off my first JavaScript rollover nav menu off of the Chevy Alero website. <laughs> They had they had a vertical nav, and when you hovered over, it changed the state. And I just looked at the source, and I hacked that thing, and I replicated it for my website in 1998, I think. 
It was the uh, the Chevy Alero. There it is. And did all the visitors of your site did they marvel at how how much of an no. HTML pro you were? No, they did. But I felt very accomplished. Okay, all right. It made yeah. you happy. My, my co- college age Ron was like, I can I can rule the internet. I'm a coder. <laughs> I'm a coder. I hack JavaScript. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Florina and Nick, you have to know, Ron and I are basically the same person. So this is like a running joke. <laughs> on all about android that's why this is this stuff comes up a lot uh we also have the same birthday which just adds to that yeah um it's kind of, so, kind of interesting <laughs> so i know who the gdgs and gdes are because well i have been following a lot of your careers online for the past couple of years and by the way you guys have all been kicking butt so you know great job um but you know there's a lot of folks out there who maybe don't know who gds and gdgs are so you know can anyone participate in this you know program like what are some of the benefits and just how involved is google in this particular program so gdg stands for google developer groups so these are um just developers around the world that uh, create communities uh, around technology, around Google technologies. Um, And they organize meetups. A lot of them do monthly meetups. And then usually once a year, they organize uh, dev fests. So these are, let's say, one or two days uh, events uh, where they're covering several Google technologies. Yeah, and uh, they're open for everyone. So usually these meetups tend to be free. Uh, for everyone to to participate. So this means that if you're a developer, check out the um, the GDG locally because chances are we have like a ton of GDGs around the world. So probably there's mm-hmm. one around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, check out their meetups. That's how you got started, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's And GDEs, you asked about, is a program we have called Google Developer Experts, which Mm -hmm. is a way of us really recognizing some folks out there who are doing like phenomenal work with um, sharing best practices and things with the um, community. So I think Mike, you um, talked about earlier. Hi, Mike, um, is an expert. So we kind of recognize that he's doing, you know, phenomenal work, sharing his skills and expertise with people. And so it's a way for us to kind of like partner with them and support them in, in some ways and to help them with this mission to kind of share their knowledge. It's I just wanted to let everybody know that there is a GDG in Petaluma, I believe, because I was looking, I was looking to crash the party one of these days. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to see what was the closest to me. There, there is either that or Berkeley. We've had no, we've had we've had some uh, guests that have come in, or or like uh, guests to watch the shows who have come in and and uh, actually have attended. So yeah, Hmm. there's you know they're everywhere. Those (laughs) those Google developers, they are everywhere. Uh, and we're happy. And about the Android that. community is is phenomenal. It's one of the kind of the most supportive, like helpful sharing communities I've ever ever seen. So like I highly encourage people like if you're interested in Android, you want to develop an app, go along, meet some folks, and learn some things and make some friends. Yeah, exactly. Not only are you going to learn what you kind of are going to learn to, to get smarter about this development, but you're also going to meet like minded people who are also awesome and just just as jazzed about this stuff as as you are. Um, it's, there's a lot to be gained from that. So. The community aspect of this is just, it's great. It's one of the best things I think about the Google kind of whole Android ecosystem is that the mm-hmm. the, the developer community is so strong oh, and so, so supportive. Strong. 
Absolutely. So, uh, folks should definitely, uh, you know, check out and, and dev summit, uh, the Android, uh, developer summit. Uh, if not this year, then next year, you put it on your radar, put it on your map, uh, because this does start tomorrow. So it might be just a little late for people to drop in, but people who are interested in following the action from home can do so. There will be a live stream again. That's G O O dot G L E. So goo dot goal slash A D S 19 dash live stream. Uh, and if anything, just do a Google search for Android Dev Summit uh, 2019 and you'll get to Google's page and you have all the information there, the schedule, the speakers. Like I said, Florina, Nick both have, you know, have um, their own their own keynotes and those are going to be live streamed. But there's so much more content and information there uh, that you can watch from home and uh, learn because that's what it's all about. Uh, really great getting you both on. I'm so happy we could finally make this work and that you had the time uh, this Tuesday evening to do this. And yeah, I wish you the the best going into the next couple of days. I'm sure you're going to have a great time. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Florina uh, can be found on Twitter, FM, uh, well, F Mutanescu, and Nick on Twitter at Crafty. Uh, very crafty Twitter handle. Good handle. Good handle. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, it's in <laughs> you got in there early, <laughs> I'm guessing, on something like that. Anyways, thank you again, you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you soon. We'd love to have you back anytime. Thank you. Bye. Right. Have fun, thank you guys. guys. Bye. That was uh, awesome. We could do. I mean, we could do hours talking about this stuff. I, I mean, love so, that. I love interviews yeah, like that's that. So, cool. so yeah. much fun. All before, right, Ron, you got it. Before we move. Before we move on, though, can we note that that URL that you read, by the way, the goo.gle slash ads ads 19 dash live stream. So apparently .gle is is a brand top level domain. Oh, I looked I looked I looked it up while we're doing this. The Internet name registry rolled out top level domains for brands. And I guess Google was one of the first to get it. The .gle is Google's domain. Oh, okay. Oh, if you're into well, network security and all that sort of stuff, that is fascinating. That's how you know you made they, it. I did not know they rolled it out, and now I kind of want .ron. And so I, I <laughs> yeah, don't know. I want .flo. <laughs> right, exactly. I imagine there's some sort of mo- money that exchange hands with the with ICANN, but still, damn. Yeah, and I, I think I think Apple as dot dot Apple or something like that. Of course, they're going to the main leaders of that. But I had no idea they were doing brand level, top level domains, and that's the sign the internet has sold out. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Get off my lawn. I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's true. Okay, anyway. that's a great T-shirt though idea. <laughs> the internet has sold out. Just it has. <laughs> um, but that said, if it wasn't for the internet, we wouldn't have great things like our first sponsor of this episode, Plex. Uh, this episode of All About Android is brought to you by Plex. And listen, Plex brings together all the media that matters to you in a single app and is available on any device, no matter where you are. You can organize and stream your personal collection of movies, TV shows, music, and photos for free. And you can also stream your favorite podcast, web series, and more also for free. If you want to spend some money, though, you can upgrade to their Plex Pass for less than $5 per month, which is not it's, it's a cup of coffee. It's less than Starbucks. And you'll get the best of Plex with exclusive and early access to premium features like offline accessibility. Uh, they allow Plex allows you to download your movies, shows, music, and photos to your mobile devices for offline enjoyment wherever you go, which is great if you're traveling. Uh, you can watch live broadcast TV and use a DVR 
Uh, with Plex Pass and antenna and a tuner, you can stop paying for cable and still enjoy great TV. Become a true cord cutter like myself. Um, you can get customized news with a news feature in Plex that brings you quick access to over 190 and counting sources for national, international, and local news, covering over 80% of U.S. markets to supported Plex streaming players. Um, if you're looking for music, which is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, you can use their premium music features like lyrics, custom curated playlists based on your music preferences. Overall, you get a cinema-like experience when you're watching your personal movie collection, including trailers, behind-the-scene features, and never-before-seen footage. And if you're all alone, Plex is great for you, but if you've got multiple users in your household or in your world, it's so easy to switch users with Plex Home. You can create customized managed accounts and make switching users easy with Plex Home. And they even have parental controls so you can safely let your little ones enjoy as well. And with Plex Pass, you can also get your Plex Pass perks Say that three times fast, where you can get exclusive access to promos and discounts on partner products, and you get to use the newest features before everyone else. And I've said it before when we talked about Plex. I am a proud Plex user. I am a Plex Pass uh, paying uh, paying user. You're a Plex Pass Pro. I'm a Plex Pass Pro with all those partner perks. And um, uh, I just set up a new computer over the past weekend, and the first thing I installed was my Plex media server and the Plex desktop app, and I loaded all my media on there. I cannot live without Plex. As a cord cutter, Plex was my key, was the would open the door to a wonderful world of streaming media and all fun stuff like that. It's amazing. I Plex on my phone, on my tablet. It's it's it, it's it's literally is a game changer. So cut the cord, save big. Plex is offering Twit listeners a 30-day free trial of Plex Pass, which gives you access to all their premium features. So go to plex.tv slash twit and enter code twit to start your free trial of Plex Pass today. That's plex.tv slash twit. And thank you for supporting all about Android Plex. And folks, literally, I cannot recommend Plex more and more than enough. The Plex Pass is so worth it. $5 a month. Give it a shot uh, with this offer. Go to plex.tv slash twit. You will thank me. I'll I miss my Plex. My Plex right server now. is in storage right now. Aww. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to we're gonna Plex is gonna come up editorially la- uh, later on in the hardware block. So, so keep that in mind. There you go. That's a tease. That's they a say tease in the biz. ahead, uh, Victor. We did not want to rob you of your opportunity, uh, so we're gonna go ahead. Even though this is really a hardware block, we're gonna go into some news. <laughs> Sometimes promised. And I'd say almost always delivering. Here's Android news. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we usually deliver. There's there's the occasional hiccup here yeah, and there usually. where we don't deliver. You have to come pick it up instead of it us. It becomes a whole thing. Yeah, totally. Uh, but we give, you, we give you $5 off when you have to come pick it up. So there's that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Flo, you've got the first one. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm dying to hear what you think of the Pixel 4 after of a solid week with the device. So I'm me sorry too. I couldn't be there in person. I have a bit of vertigo thanks to the creature that's in my body right now. So Aww. I'm just... Aww. Yeah, I, did, I didn't... Sucks. Yes. Yeah. Standing up has not been easy. So, but it doesn't matter because I can just sit down and use this phone. Um, I don't have to really go anywhere, which it's is true. great. I it's suppose. your companion for life, that Pixel 4. Yeah. Here, let me bring it up. Listen, I will have this in person in the coming weeks. Just, I'm sure the Twit office will get uh, their unit, of course, before I, I can get there. Yeah, I think I'm but, getting mine um, by the end of the week. Leo's could come a few days. Leo's could come tomorrow, at which time I've been instructed I can open it and use it. Well, so. And he got the oh-so-orange one. Yep. 
Mm, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Which which was the right choice, let's be honest. Yeah, I'll I mean, let you know once you, I see it in person. I, I think you go for the bold. You go always go for the bold color when it comes to the pixel. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with Ron because, listen, I didn't choose my pixel and I'm a beggars cannot be choosers. And I'm thankful to have a review unit in my hand. Uh, but definitely having like the color for the pixel there's a reason for it. It's the staple. It's the limited edition. You know, you have yeah, the true. You have the not pink, which is the not pink Pixel Three that I have. Uh, we had the the purplish Pixel Three A, and it's just it's nice and cool, and uh, really shows off kind of the design aesthetic that like Google is going for. Yeah. Um. You know. So I did kind of tap out a couple of impressions just from my initial week with it. Now, one caveat is that I don't have my SIM card in this right now. And let me tell you why. It's because if you all remember, so I didn't get a case with this phone. Uh, the cases that I received were all for the XLs. And this is a regular four. So we all remember what happened with me and Marilyn Monroe's ghost earlier this year. So <laughs> I... At present, I'm carrying the phone around in this Tom Bin bag. What? That, I just have around. that is an awesome case. I've never seen a it's case like over, that before. It's from like it's from like way back in the day. Tablets. Like I just kept it because it's just a good like phone case. So I, I've been carrying the phone around in that in my purse to just make sure it's safe until whatever, I can get some cases in. Whatever works, Flo. Whatever yeah. works. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but so let's talk about the size, the body and the size here a little bit. So the Pixel 4, uh, this particular one, I believe it's a 5.8 inch display, if I recall correctly off the top of my head yeah. of the article I just wrote today. Um, now, for me, it's a perfect size. For me, it fits, it cradles in my hand. I don't have a fingerprint scanner on the back, so I'm not worried so much about this. But one-handed usage, it's, I mean, my thumb can freely float across the areas where it needs to be. Um, the bigger Pixel, excuse me, the bigger Pixel 4 XL uh, is is so big. If I recall the dimensions correctly, it's actually bigger than the uh, regular size Note 10. So oh, just okay. something to think about if you're going in to wield that. Uh, if you're if you're curious, you know, maybe you want that bigger screen. I can understand that one has a quad HD display. This one just has a full HD, which I mean, for me is fine. But maybe for some of you performance buffs out there, maybe you really want like that quad HD. Uh, All the you know. pixels. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand. Um, I have uh, I've been watching a lot of Baywatch on this. So, uh, so you don't need all the pixels with Baywatch. <laughs> no, see, all the stuff I watch is '90s, so it's very like yeah. lo-fi, whatever. But I have to tell you guys, the stereo sound on this thing is phenomenal. Like you have not heard the Baywatch theme song. You've not heard Peter Gabriel <laughs> saying like you have on the Pixel Four. <laughs> So you can quote me on that. That's that's a tagline for their promotional materials. That's going to go a long way to boost the product. It It really is. (laughs) So uh, one little thing, though, speaking of size. So, okay, size, maybe it's a good idea if you're not sure what size to get. You know, go to Best Buy, go to your carrier, handle one, just see what you think you'd be more comfortable with. I always go for the smaller phones. But let's talk about storage size. 
So that's like the really big controversy right now. Jason, you were tweeting about this today for good reason. So I have the 64 gig Pixel 3 uh, at present. And I kind of went in there today to see like how things were doing. And I'm not doing so hot. And I'm at about uh, 52 out of 64 gigs right now after about a year with this phone. So that is poor data management on my side. I have not deleted any documents. Um, I definitely have a bunch of Netflix stuff on there and Google Play movies that I haven't removed. I mean, you think about those files, they're a couple gigabytes a piece. Yeah, even you some space, yeah. Yeah, even, even in standard def. And photos are the other thing that take up all that space. And of course, if you're adopting the Pixel 4, you are losing out on that unlimited storage space in Google Photos, which maybe some of you out there are like, what's the big deal? Like, just do maintenance. Well, as you can see, I haven't done any maintenance. <laughs> So I guess I'm just going to have to, I don't know, rely on Dropbox. I'm not sure. I mean, when I open photos, it almost always gives me that little call out at the top that says, hey, 400 and some odd photos uh, can be deleted. They're in the cloud. Do you want to do that? You'll save five gigs. I'm like, yeah, I just just cleared up four gigs of photos the other day. Yeah. It doesn't. No, but I'm I'm scared to commit (laughs) to that. But it's up there. on the cloud. Oh, geez, Flo. <laughs> I know. Um, no, no, no. Also, there's, that, there's, that nifty, there's that nifty Files Go app that will clean up all your memes and all your crap and all duplicate documents. I cleared up like a gig of dupe documents and stuff. Come on. I just haven't, I haven't done it, guys. It's completely, this, it's it's like the deep frag is, of PC past. Data hoarder. This is, more, this, is, this is more of a flow problem, I think, than a Pixel 4 problem. It, it is, but you know what? Maybe there's some people out there who are just like me, just like Flo, and they want to know if they should spend the extra $100. And I would give them the advice to spend the extra 100 on the 120 gig version. I, of there's, course. I, 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 there's no need for 120 gigs. I, I'm sorry. I disagree. <laughs> no, I, and that's totally fair, Ron. But, you know, I was looking at the crop of phones that are available. Like everything else comes with way more space. It's true. OnePlus, OnePlus goes up to 256, if I recall correctly. In my, in flow, in your defense and in my uh, whatever, I have 256 gig on my phone right now, and I'm using 55 gig. So maybe you do have a point. I, I retract that. <laughs> well, but at the I same mean, time, if you had a 64 gig capacity phone, you still wouldn't be at the the maximum. Yeah, so you're true. Pretty yeah, low so considering. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. yeah, to your point, Flo. I mean, what is it? The Note has a terabyte as an option at this point. Plus right? expandable storage space. Yeah, plus expandable storage. Uh, yeah. And we need to think about apps too. Apps are getting bigger and bigger. I mean, we talk yep. about how big PC gaming apps are, like yeah. 60 gigs a piece. Um, maybe on a PC, it's no big deal. But when you think about like mobile apps. And I know Google's doing a lot of work behind the scenes to help developers make smaller packages. But if you're going to be gaming with your phone, if you're going to be using like big photo editing suites and things of the sort, like get ready. And also, I will say as a as a new parent, um, I'm just looking at what files are taking up the the majority of my 55 gig and movies, videos, videos. I've been taking, you know, like I, I have, I have a yep. lot of minute thirty videos yep. of a baby on a swing in a playground at at super high res, <laughs> yes. you know, whatever. That's going to take up space after a while. I think I've got six gig of video. Right oh, now, you so are such just... a parent. Welcome, yeah. welcome. <laughs> hey, not to not to drag parent, down the room but... here, but I'm going to because that's what I'm good for. Uh, yep. You know, I'm very 
I'm very thankful I have all that video of my cat um, before she passed because, mm, yeah. you know, when I miss her, I pop into those videos and I get to feel warm for a second. So there's a reason that we want there's a reason we want space on these phones because sure. we want to be able to, you know, we're humans. Our brains go after a while and it's pictures worth a thousand words is they all say. So just something to think about if you're going to go out and buy a Pixel 4 and you're like, okay, 128, that's it? Mm. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so next up is performance. I still need to do like a real battery rundown test. Now I mentioned I don't have my SIM card in this thing, so I'm not like, you know, I'm not constantly pinging a cell tower here. I'm just kind of the phone is on standby when it's around the house, it's on Wi-Fi. And I'll tell you with the screen off, it goes about a day and a half, a little bit more. I've been charging it every two days pretty much, uh, which is nice. But again, the real kicker is when you have it as your daily driver, which it's not mine yet, because again, I mentioned I don't have a case and I am avoiding Marilyn Monroe coming after me again. I mean, that is that is the real <laughs> kicker because I'm, you know, we're starting to kind of get the full reviews, the actual week reviews, and and on. And dare I say, the Pixel Four is not coming out unscathed. Like it's it's actually looking a little yeah. messy as far as battery life, primarily, and especially the smaller one. I think the Pixel Four XL is getting away okay because it's got it's a large 3, battery. In versus b- versus the smaller one, twenty eight doesn't even crack three thousand milliamp hours, which is Pixel three has a bigger battery life. What's that? Yeah, it's like Pixel it's just 3, too too yeah. low. Period. I yeah, don't know why they all did other that. phones have bigger batteries uh, than the Pixel four, and I was uh, just trying to say that the Pixel three has a slightly bigger battery. Um, and I often complain about. I mean, I'm charging halfway through the day, and I work from home. So, yeah, yeah, just something to think about. Um, I know it's it's a controversial topic, Yeah, (laughs) much like the storage space Uh, camera. I know that's the big thing that it's on everyone's mind. Finally, we have a dual lens situation here. Now, I'm just going to say I thought I would miss it. I don't miss the wide angle too much, actually. Uh, The Pixel 4's front-facing camera is a 90-degree field of view, and it seems like it'll be fine to kind of smoosh a bunch of people into a picture. Um, When I take selfies and you put the phone kind of far, you you know, you're cradling it far away, it looks like a wide-angle picture, and then when you bring it closer to you, it looks like it's not a wide angle anymore. So whatever they have going on there, it's, it's working for now. Um, the live HDR plus is really nice. I like having the slider for the shadows. Um, but when you're tapping to focus on a point ahead, the phone is still doing all the work for you anyway. You know, I tried using it with, uh, I was taking a picture of the sunset behind the hills and usually the hills are silhouetted, but with the shadow slider, I can have some detail in there, which is nice. Um, Victor, I actually popped in some pictures if you want. So we'll just, I'm going to go ahead and just go through these actually in order as Victor shows them. So this is the astrophotography uh, situation. I tried this out. I really liked that it was quick and easy. I didn't have to set anything up beforehand like I would in a manual mode on the LG G8, for instance. Um, you just point and shoot and the phone figures out it's a night sky that it's capturing. But I want to try it with some subjects in the foreground. Uh, I want to try it in a much, much darker area. You know, it's still pretty light out here in the burbs. So this is this is what I was able to do. This was about at 10 p.m. at night. 
So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stars cool. are looking kind of nice. Like, I feel like I'm, I was getting some pretty decent starry sky shots with the Pixel 3, too. So, yeah, I'm really curious about this mode. You're probably right. There's a lot of ambient light, so maybe that throws it off a little bit. A lot, a lot of light pollution. Yeah. Um, so I had showed off some, uh, Victor, I don't know. I realize I gave you all the photos kind of out of sync. Okay, here's a picture of a worm. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it now, is. That's a, that's so, a very okay. large worm at the, uh, going off the screen. Oh, wait, that's a finger. That's, yeah, okay. that's different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my husband is a herper. He likes to look under rocks oh. and bogs to look for herps. Uh, to I've you know, never look heard for that term before. Salamanders, newts, and worms. So <laughs> we found this worm, and I, I was actually standing up quite a ways away, and I was using the zoom in function. But guys, if you if you click on that and zoom in, like if you go, you know, Command Plus or whatever, hey, you do that. It's blurry. Uh, yeah. It's not clear, and that was at six times zoom. Well, so I mean, how close to the worm were you? Because it doesn't really like. I was you, not. I was at about. Um, let's see. Let you, me just try and put this in perspective. Distance, I was about right. my husband's uh, hip. Oh, okay. hip. When I was bending oh, I see. over, and you're, that and you're zooming down. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, okay. and I zoomed down into the worm, and I was like, "Can you point at it? Because I need your finger for scale." <laughs> you need no flow. You needed a banana. Yeah, it's too bad you didn't have I a know. banana. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you got to carry a banana with you all the, at all times. Sorry, Mateo. <laughs> uh. Uh, Victor, there should be another photo in there. Um, I don't know. Let's see what we got. I'm just kind of like mm, night sky. Well, we got a few, a few of them in here, don't we? There's. Sorry to keep you all waiting, but you know I like to. And for those on the audio feed, you're probably like, "Gosh darn it, this is annoying." But I had some visual aids, and you know when you're doing a. Oh, they're all the same link. Uh, flow. There's four of them oh. that are all the same link, and then there's. Oh yeah, they, they. You know what? They aren't. They aren't different. So we'll have to. It's Sorry. okay. That's okay. We can save those for kind of like the fuller. My bad. Fuller well, thing, here, let me just, let couple. me say this. If you're part of the Twit community, you can go to twit.community, um, and you can check out. I posted some pictures in there. Oh, okay. And cool. there's a picture of uh, an Amtrak train that had come through, and I had zoomed in from the other side of the water to see if the Pixel 4 could, you know, kind of track it. And unfortunately, you know, from far away, you could tell that it's a train. You can tell that it's the signature Amtrak logo on the side. But you zoom in, and it looks it looks soft. So it's not exactly what I was expecting. I mean, I'm certain it's better than what the Pixel 3 would produce, but I don't know. It, I just, I wasn't expecting that coming away from the Google event. And I, you know, my understanding is that I don't need to have a, a tripod for this sort of thing. I've been doing it just freehanding. Uh, the night sky shot that I showed you all, that was done with a tripod against my window but the other shots, the ones that I posted on twit.community, those were taken freehand, you know, on a windy day. And I'm kind of surmising that as good as the telephoto is at just kind of like zooming in, I mean, it's very good at fonts. It was very good at text from far away. Uh, it's maybe not the way that you want to shoot a subject from afar. Like oh, if you okay. can physically get closer, I would suggest physically getting closer. Yeah. yeah. So. That's how I feel about that. Um, 
Moving on, the facial recognition. Now, it's fast as heck. So, and Google is right. Even if you're not looking at the phone, you will probably unlock it. It's just how it works. Not looking um, at it or eyes closed? Not. I tried that eyes closed and it's still unlocked. I did funny faces at it. It did not unlock. I'll have uh, you all okay. know. So you got to be so serious. Stick your tongue out. Got to be serious <laughs> when you're unlocking your phone. But like just putting it up like this. Okay. Like, hmm. Okay. I okay will- now it's not. Now it heard me and it doesn't want to unlock. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay, buddy. I'll be curious wow. to play around with that. It is it is very sensitive. Um and I I don't know if I missed the fingerprint scanner yet. I I don't know. I just don't know. It's a new it's a new unlocking mechanism for me. It's a new muscle memory. Yeah. It's just it's new. I just I don't know. <laughs> how I feel about it. Um, but besides that, I mean, I played with motion sense a little bit. I'm not really using it. I'm not surprised. I just haven't, you oh, know. So to check out this video. So, okay, go go back to the beginning of this video. This is a video by Ivan Kurik on Twitter. What was promised versus what was delivered. And right. you watch oh the solely video from like two or three years ago where, you know, these tiny little finger movements are controlling things, different hardware, snapping to, to click. It's it's like super impressive. And then it finally clicks to the phone and all the person is doing is like waving their hand over yep. to change the track and it's not even not working. Not, That's it. not doing it. Come on. That's do it. it. Do it this time. Uh, this time. Yep. This time. Clearly. Oh, there we go. Yay. No, the phone knew that that person wanted to listen to that song. (laughs) Right. We're saving you. I I had to to make a GIF of that yesterday, actually, for a story that I was writing for Lifehacker. And I also ran into the same issue, you know, and the whole reaching for the phone and supposed to turn on and light up. Yeah. Well, but... I want more. I want more. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something to be said for the fact that they shrunk the Soli chip down from like this large form factor to this tiny little thing in order to fit it into the phone. Maybe it's just not as sensitive or not as good when it's shrunk. Well, how could the chip size affect that? I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be a sensor. Well, that's what I mean. That's actually what I meant was like shrinking the sensor down. Uh, But I don't know that for sure. But that's so India. This is why you're not getting this phone. Just want you to know. In the end. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. That is because you can't because there's a sensor in there that allows you to switch tracks with your hand. Yeah. That's why you're not getting the phone. So, sometimes. sometimes. That allows you to switch tracks sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. boy. Okay. So solely solely stands for sometimes. Sometimes. there's There's got to be something we can come up with for SOL. Yeah. 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 Sometimes. <laughs> uh, only... I can't do it. Sorry. No, I know. It's, it's a hard one to do on the fly. Yeah. All right. So jury's out. Sounds, jury's I mean, out. Jury's out at this point. Um, yeah. Are you, you know, more Are you more or less excited right out of the gate uh, for this versus other Pixel devices? I see a lot of people being way less excited. That's what I'm hearing too. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to burst a bubble, but I also need to be honest because we are honest here and all about Android. Yep. I I don't know if I want to leave my Pixel 3 just yet. That's why my Ooh. sim is that's really why my sim is still on the so, Pixel 3. 
Well, that, that's that was my question was with the Pixel 3 being such a superstar phone for so many reasons and the 3A and all that sort of stuff. What is it that makes somebody need to switch to the 4? You know, because it doesn't sound like it's solely. It doesn't sound, you know, like it's just see, like going down the line of what the stuff it does. I mean, the camera stuff is amazing, but from everything I hear, the camera is almost exactly, you know, it's almost uh, performs as well as the Pixel 3. And astrophotography is coming to the Pixel 3. So, right. I mean, it's just an exposure thing. Yeah, it's, just it's, a, so it's a software timing. thing, right? It's, expo it's how, it's how yeah. the software handles the sensor. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, it's like, it's funny because somebody was asking me if I'm going to get the Pixel 4. And I was like, honestly, I, you know, and I'm not, you, you guys know me, unless I get a review unit, I'm personally not one to jump at the new, the late, the new shiny latest and greatest. Like, I actually want to get some, you know, use out of my phone and not switch every, you know, six months and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not, I wasn't jumping for the Pixel 4. But after hearing what everyone's kind of saying, I'm like, if I, like, if I drop my phone, and it shattered i needed a phone i probably looked at the three before the four yeah mm. plus the three that i have is this nice not pink and you know it's just yeah. it's, i'm into the i mean the white listen the white is nice it's a, it's a bold it's a bold new flavor you know what i mean it's like these these phones are just there's something bold about them i think it's just like like that big square on the back. Um, they're just more in your face. Whereas the Pixel 3 was a little softer, the 3 Series. Yeah. I'm talking about the 3A as well. Uh, but again, I, I didn't put my SIM in the 4. Come back to me in a couple months. We'll see how I feel. But for now, I don't feel like I'm missing out on any. If I had not gotten this as a review unit, I don't know that I would feel that I was missing out on any features. Yeah. Right. There it is. That's the honest review from Flow, everyone. Yep, the honest preview review. Um, yeah. More to come. Of course, you're going to spend more time with it. I'm going to be getting it any day now, and I'll definitely be living with it as well. We didn't even talk about the kind of the controversy around the face unlock. We're going to save that for after this break. Then we're going to come back and talk about a couple of phones who right now, when it comes to biometric authentication, Pixel 4 is one of them, spoiler alert, uh, are not having a good day. So let's take a break. Then we'll come back and talk about that. This episode of All About Android is brought to you by ExpressVPN. I love it. I've been using it for a long, for a while now. And I, the reason that I love it is because I've used a decent amount of VPN in the past. And it's always, there's always these trade-offs, these asterisks involved with, with VPN. From my experience, things are a little bit slower. It's more difficult to set up or to use or whatever. I don't experience that with, with ExpressVPN. That's an incredibly reliable way to make sure uh, that my data is secure. I know that it's secure without slowing my internet speed, which is amazing. Uh, so why should you care about encrypting your data? Well, I'm sure you've heard us talk about it on the show, but it's easy for hackers to bypass Wi-Fi security and steal your information by exploiting flaws such as crack, which is key reinstallation attack. That's just one example. So if you ever use Wi-Fi at a hotel or even a shopping mall or coffee shop, that sort of stuff, you're sending data over an open network. You're literally putting that data out into thin air, meaning no encryption at all. Nothing's protected. That data isn't obscured from someone who might be able to pull it out from the from thin air and use it for their own and, and to have that data for themselves. The best way to ensure that all of your data is encrypted uh, and can't be read by hackers is by using ExpressVPN. You just download the app on your computer or your smartphone, then you use the internet as you normally would. Uh, you simply click a single button 
and that's going to secure 100% of your network data. ExpressVPN is fast. It's also reliable. It's recommended as the number one VPN provider by TechRadar and CNET. ExpressVPN takes privacy and security to even the next level. They actually invented a technology called Trusted Server to ensure that VPN servers run from RAM and no data logs are written to a server's hard drive even by accident. So there's no trace, no tracking uh, of any kind of, of, of the data that's passing through. Uh, I use it. I love it. It is fast. And it's just so easy that it's easy to remember to use it because sometimes when things are difficult, they just drop from my mind. It's like, I know it's good for me, but it's a challenge and I don't know what I'm going to get. So then I just, I end up forgetting it. And I, I use and remember to use ExpressVPN. It's that good. If you want to experience the best in online security and privacy protection, head over to expressvpn.com slash all about Android. You'll get three extra free months with a one-year package when you do that. Protect your internet today with the VPN that I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash all about Android and you can get started. And we thank ExpressVPN for their support. All right. So we did not touch on in in your Pixel 4 kind of uh, preview flow the Mm. fact that the face unlock has come under scrutiny because people have realized that you can unlock with the face even when the eyes are closed. Now, why is that a big deal? I mean... First of all, when I heard this, I was like, why do you make a face unlock that that doesn't include that? Like, it doesn't seem, and mind you, I'm not creating devices or hardware, so I don't actually know, but it doesn't seem like that much more that worked. of a stretch to just make sure that whoever's face is being scanned knows that their face is being scanned, a.k.a. their eyes are actually open. Apple does this on the iPhone 11. Um, mm-hmm. And and we saw leaked photos of the setup screen from this, I think, before the Pixel 4 was announced. And mm-hmm. it included a setting in the settings uh, that said, you know, it was, it was a toggle for requiring the eye to be open. Yet that setting is no, nowhere to be found on the Pixel 4, right? I love that it was a toggle. Why yeah. would you even to- why would you even toggle that? I know why why is it even an option? I have no idea. But I mean it's apparently apparently Google hit hit a brick wall of some sort. Uh probably similar to what they did with the Android 10, you know, gestures not working with third-party launchers sort of thing to where they said, "Okay, well we have to release Android 10. We'll include the uh the gesture navigation with third-party launchers later, which Pixel 4 actually is compatible with that um, now, so we'll probably see that soon. But from what I understand, not having a Pixel 4 in my hand, it it unlocks with your eyes closed, and Google has admitted that and says that an update will be coming in the coming months. So, just so you guys knew, inside the setting... So first of all, there is a always require confirmation toggle that you can use when using face unlock and apps always require confirmation step. I don't have a, I don't have that toggled on in any way. The face unlock is not compatible with a lot of third party apps right now. Right, right. Uh, which, is, by the way, is another reason I'm not using this phone yet as a daily driver because like my banking app and stuff, like yep. all that stuff is with fingerprint unlock. But there are caveats at the bottom of the screen. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and show this to you through the webcam just to kind of show you. You don't need to exactly read what it says, but you see there's this a chunk lot of, of text in yeah. settings. 
Yeah. And these are caveats. It says, keep in mind, looking at the phone can unlock when you don't intend to. That's why I had mentioned that earlier. Uh, your phone can be unlocked by someone even if it's held up to your face, even if your eyes are closed. Your phone can be unlocked by someone who looks a lot like you, say, an identical sibling. So doesn't notice it doesn't mention a clone. Uh, I guess we're not there yet in society. And but, I, mean, I can, I can yeah. understand that. I can un- totally understand that. Actually, uh, earlier today, I, I hosted, um, along with Steve Gibson, Security Now, and this was kind of the main story that he talked about. And he put it in... He, he put it into terms that I hadn't quite thought of it before. Like when you're talking about biometric authentication, it's always a matter of, is it close enough? It's never 100%, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about a face, like a computer will never be 100% certain that that is exactly the person. So when you're talking about like an identical twin, like at some point, there's probably some sort of confidence meter that a computer you know, an algorithm like this is comparing against and it can say 95% sure. Okay, good enough. And it might make the wrong determination at that point, but that's going to keep most people safe and secure. So I, I could understand that. But anyways, <laughs> Just me out. yeah. So, so, I mean, Google's going to do an update in, a, in the coming months, as they say, um, like you had said, Ron, like, I don't understand why, why you would need an option for this. I would think if it's a face scan, always have the eyes open. I don't even know why you, yeah. why anyone would want it. Be like, oh, I don't mind. My eyes can be closed. That's fine too. Uh, it's just not necessary. And it's just more secure to have it uh, eyes open requirement. But this also ties into something else. Samsung had its own biometric uh, snafu when a British couple discovered how their S10 could be unlocked with an incorrect fingerprint after setting it up. A woman set it up with her left thumb or set it up with her right thumb. And then when she used her left thumb, it worked. And she was like, oh, why did that happen? So then she gave it to her husband and both thumbs on her, both of her husband's thumbs worked Uh, and then gave it to another friend. And, and apparently it worked. Uh, it turns out the screen protector that they were using was a cheapo that they bought on eBay, like three bucks or something like that. And Samsung has has come out with a statement saying that certain silicone screen protecting cases are retaining three dimensional patterns, uh, and and passing that along as confirmation. So. And from what I understand from what Steve Gibson explained on this, when you think of the layers, right, you've got the the camera underneath, the optical sensor underneath shooting through the glass. So that's a couple of layers. And then you've got the adhesive, uh, the you know, qualities of the screen protector. Then you've got the screen protector itself. And I, from what I understand, I think what's going on here is when you learn a fingerprint with all of those layers, if there's any sort of of something, a pattern of some sort within those layers that is just always there anyways because you never take your screen protector off, then that is passing through as confirmation no matter what fingerprint would go on it with certain uh, types of screen protectors. So right now Samsung's saying don't use any screen protectors if they aren't our screen protector. <laughs> Jeez. Which, which that's not a good thing. But uh, So spend $20 for a screen protector so that you don't get hacked. Okay. Yeah, and just watch Sorry. the money roll That's in. That's what I hear as a consumer. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so anyways, biometrics, apparently hard. 
Uh, I feel like it keeps coming up like every couple, like every year or two, like there's an on year, off year on security, face unlock, fingerprints, all this yeah, sort of right. stuff. Like it's we have TikTok. like a year of it being calm and quiet and then we get a year of turmoil. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think you're right. Lots uh, of cycles. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Samsung's reason to get rid of the fingerprint sensor next year and just go full face unlock. Like this seems to be the... Uh, you know what the what the top tier phones are doing now is yeah. full on face unlock with a three dimensional scanning and, and a dot matrix sort of thing. Hey, when I had a front facing camera that was in a notch, I loved face unlock on the <laughs> OnePlus Six T. I used it all the time. Yeah. Now that I've got the ones the Seven Pro and the little camera's got to pop up pop up every time, I disabled it. But uh, oh, really? It. Yeah, so yeah. was it fast enough? No, it was fast enough. It was just weird. It was literally like <laughs> every time the phone. Fingerprint. Every time I picked up my phone, it would detect the face and bring up the camera. Like, I don't know what it was like. It was all the camera was always coming up and down. I'm like, this isn't going to work. So (laughs) the downsides of the pop up camera right there. Exactly. Love the pop up camera, though. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, so earlier in the show, we were talking about our sponsor Plex and I teased that this has come up again Uh, at home. I've been uh, struggling with Chromecast, not for my usage, but rather my wife. And ultimately, when my children are older, I need an easy way for people to watch TV. So I had my eye on an NVIDIA Shield Um, and my gut told me while we said, you know, if you want to buy something, get it. But my gut was like, I'm going to wait. And uh, waiting might be the good call because the NVIDIA Shield TV Pro got leaked on Amazon last week. Uh, and it features a faster, faster Tegra X1 Plus processor, um, and it's a 25% faster than the current Shield uh, uh, Nvidia Shield. Also, a new remote with triangular design, motion-activated backlit buttons, more media control buttons, and customizable menu button. And it's got support for Dolby Vision HDR and Dolby Digital Plus surround sound, um, and it enables AI upscaling to 4K in real time. Um, it's guessing that this is probably going to go live October 28th, which is in a few days. Um, and sell for about $199.99. Um, and the NVIDIA Shield TV, just regular Shield TV, not the Pro, also leaked on Newegg before being taken down. And, oh, by the way, the Pro was taken down from Amazon. It's gone. Um, but the regular Shield TV uh, features a new compact tube design and uh, includes the remote, power, Ethernet, single HDMI, and micro SD, much of the same internals as the Pro. Um, but we couldn't find the leaked price uh, somewhere around 200 Canadian uh, so we'll see what it comes at in U.S. dollars. But man, October twenty eighth, I might be, I might be switching to the Shield. I might becoming a, a Shield member. So anybody we'll see. want my Mi Box? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just really the Mi Box. It's time to get a yeah. Shield. The Shield's great. Yeah. The Shield. I, 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 this looks. Uh, this is a very sexy box. So I'm looking for. Oh, sorry about that. So I'm looking. In, I'm going to be. I'm going to be looking into looking into that. Okay. Sure. Calm, calm down, Ron. Calm sexy. down. <laughs> it's, it's i can call it sexy it's just those words strung together let's move on yes let's move on to what i guess is not as, not as sexy no um, not at all not at all so r.i.p to the google clips uh, wah, wah. yeah i get it so google's google's kind of sunsetted a couple things as is per google's uh DNA. Uh, so they have silently killed the Google Pix, Google Clips. I can't even say it. Along with the original Pixel Buds and the Daydream View. You're so broken up about it. You can't even talk. You're so sad Here's, about this. Well, okay. So I was involved in a Twitter thread last week about this particular gadget, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, if I, I've got a baby that's walking around and maybe I want to take 
pictures of them and have those pictures, you know, recorded uh, offline somewhere that I can, you know, store them. But everybody I talked to said that when they use the clips with their kids, it just was kind of like meh. Uh, so okay. what was great was that when 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 our babies came, I asked my wife, I'm like, oh, do you want me to get one of those Google Clips things? So we'll just catch. And she was like, nope, like immediately shut it down. She was nope. just anti it from the get go. And I would I mean, really I would really love to know how many of these they actually sold. Oh, I can't imagine many. I paid I really full price. <laughs> nice. I remember you paid full price. I know. I don't know why I did. I did. You know what? You're I'm curious. a fan. I'm a fan. You were Clips curious. Oh, I was, and, I was, uh, but money. I should have saved that money. You'll have an opportunity else. to use it sometime soon. Yeah. And test I it out for well, yourself. Might as well go back to using the HTC Re at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you still have one of those? Yeah. I just unearthed it the other day. I was like, huh. Oh. Wow. Maybe bring that in and we'll have a, a little flashback as part of our episode. Oh, I got a lot of flashback stuff, especially right. once I, yeah. <laughs> We can combine all our flashback stuff into one episode. That would actually be a lot. That'd be fun. great. All right, Ron, you got the next one. I do have the next one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I love the foldables and uh, we've been all year. I feel like we've been anticipating not so much a foldable from Samsung or any other company, but rather from Motorola and that foldable razor. And it looks like it's coming. Motorola's teased November 13th, my father's birthday, by the way, as the reveal for a, a quote, an, an original unlike any other. And the animation seems to allude to the design of the Razer V3, but very up close. Another phrase from the invite says, you're going to flip. And uh, the, the quote unquote, highly anticipated unveiling of a reinvented icon. Um, and if you remember back in April, there were some leaked photos of the foldable Razer 3 on Weibo. Um, I feel like this is one of the worst kept secrets in the world of phones, um, almost to the point of urban legend or urban myth that I, I started to believe what, that that it might not actually happen. But sure enough, uh, we're going to celebrate my dad's birthday with, uh, with the reveal of the foldable Razer, <laughs> which honestly, depending on the price point, I might be into. So we'll see what happens. We know what Ron's <laughs> getting for his dad for his birthday. Dad, hey, come over. Dad. I got this live stream you should watch for your birthday. I will say, speaking of my dad, he was re- he was recently on vacation. Him and my mom went to Italy and then the Greece and, and stuff like that. And he's sending me photos on WhatsApp. And I was like, Dad, did you get a new new phone? And he's like, Oh yeah, I got the Galaxy S10. And I was like, Oh, okay, because the because like he had like the S5 or the S6, and I was like, the photo quality got significantly better in this trip, and like and suddenly it was he's notably a pro. different. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Suddenly you're getting these sweeping wide angle vistas, and like, yep. wait a minute. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to it. The 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 razor. I'm I'm looking forward to see what Motorola has up their sleeve. Good for Ooh. them for still hanging on, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah we'll see. You, Moto. We'll see if it's worth the wait. Paul emailed to AAA at twit.tv, which you can do as well, or leave us a voicemail, 347-SHOW-AAA. Paul says, I reached out to Google this week to see if there was a trade-in program for Home Mini, for home mini to a Nest Mini or Google Wi-Fi to Nest Wi-Fi. They said, no, their trade-in program is only for phones. I was bummed. Since Google made statements about being green but doesn't trade in old items, mm. I struggled to know what to do with old tech. What do you do with yours? 
Ant had asked during the Pixel event if Google is part of a recycle program. I asked them that too, and they do. This is what they said. This is still Paul, by the way. Uh, they said, having said that, Google Home Mini is recyclable. I would like to inform that we've partnered with Sims Recycling Solutions to help responsibly dispose of old electronics purchased from Google. Currently, this program is only available in the U.S., uh, and you can write in uh, email emv-compliance at google.com for the recycling procedure. Please refer to that link for more information about recycling, blah, blah, blah. Um, which I thought this was just kind of an interesting email from that perspective to kind of know what Google is doing behind the scenes as far as environmental stuff is concerned. Uh, I'm not surprised at all that they don't do trade-ins on the Google, on the home mini uh, to the Nest mini. Those minis practically are free at this point yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they're probably not but but uh, and also they probably work really well so like it's it's kind of a tough spot at least for the the mini because i'm thinking like i mean google home minis still work really well even though they're not worth yeah. very much what do you do with them like recycling them in in like a we're junking the technology and, and pulling it apart for parts seems like overkill because these things still work great, I'm assuming. You give uh, them away. Yeah, like <laughs> that's you, what I did. Is that a gift that someone would want to get? Yeah, pass it along. Yeah. 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 Actually people are, Oh, you have one of those. You have one of those? Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, do you want one? Like and they're like, Yes, please. I've yeah. already given away like two. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of feels like maybe regifting, uh, but not yeah. as a gift. Like here's something brand new, but just like, hey, I don't need this anymore. Would you like it? A lot of a like lot of really people good. just want them for like uh, white noise in the room, yes, great white or noise just to like have it's, it in the kitchen for like the timer. And a lot of people don't really care that it's not like super bassy, like the new no, one, totally or anything. It's like still they a great just music, want little music speaker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if you can find somebody. That. To pass it off to, I think that is the most economical thing to do. I mean, I think Google wants you to do that too because it spreads the word about the Google Assistant and like what you can do with it. Um, but I mean, I think I would love to see maybe from like the DIY community or or even just really creative folks, like what else could you do with this aging hardware? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious about that. I should also say Google Wi-Fi. I mean... That actually has value. You could sell that. You I'm not very- getting rid of mine. Mine is. Well, I'm not going- telling you to sell yours unless you <laughs> no, want I to. Mean, I mean, I'm holding on to it. If I oh, need I see, to I buy see. new nodes, I yeah. will buy the new nodes that are required. Although I'm not happy about the fact that they, I guess they don't all have Ethernet, like that second Ethernet in. Oh. Oh. Or is the Ethernet out that I'm thinking? Yeah, That's no, weird. they don't. They they, they need all, Ethernet in, right? They all have an Ethernet port, but maybe they don't all have in and out. I thought they were all the same, though. The no, I, I yeah, I'm having it's escaping me right now, and I apologize. But I just remember reading that and feeling very uh, upset about it because I'm I'm very much a hardwire kind of gal. I hardwire things, so yeah, yeah. You no. Know. I mean, whenever you can, you should use Ethernet. I mean, I know, I know, yeah. I know, Wi-Fi's come a long way and all the stuff like that. But honestly, like I'm, I try to position stuff as close to the actual Y. You know, like I, you know, especially I've got, I've got, you know, crazy one gigabit coming in from the router on FiOS, and while my Wi-Fi is great, I always nice. like the the wired is always better. So yep. 
Nice. Man, Ron has good internet. I'm I sitting know. over here in the Stone Oh, it's amazing. Ages. Honestly, it's amazing. I was I was on it the other day and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, so, I'm yeah. jealous. I'm really happy I don't have to do this podcast uh, from my house because my I guarantee you my connection would be horrible. <laughs> My internet, my wow. internet up is really bad. Everyone playing the Taylor Swift album at the same time is not going to. Yeah, that's well. that's what it is. You know, Myself included. I'm just like, let's <laughs> podcast, and I can't podcast without listening to Taylor Swift all the time. Um, I don't even know who that is. Um, so the uh, no, I do. I'm joking. Um, I'm looking on the Google Nest Wi-Fi, like in the store.google, and there are no yeah. like complete product shots. But there, there's one down towards the bottom, and it looks like there's just a power cable and a power switch. I don't even think there's yeah. – there's. And you're talking the about Ethernet. the Nest Wi-Fi or Google Wi-Fi? Google Nest Wi-Fi. The Same Nest thing. Wi-Fi. Yeah, the Nest yeah, Wi-Fi, yeah. I think you're right. The the main hub, I think, has an Ethernet. The yes. nodes that connect to it do not. The they points, yeah. The Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yep. I got – Hue bulbs hardwired in there. I got a security system hardwired in there. I've got a TV hardwired in there. Okay, just don't mess with me and my hardwire. All right, yeah, because I like it. Don't so mess with I'm a Flo's little disappointed hardwire. about that. <laughs> Hope that's helpful, Paul. Uh, I think you can find a, a home for those home minis, and you might make a few dollars off the Google Wi-Fi if you really want to get rid of it. But maybe just hold on to it. It's fine too. It's actually still a great system. So. Yeah. <laughs> if you want that Ethernet, that hardwire, don't get rid of it. Yeah. There you go. All right. It's time for the arena. So many enter, <laughs> but only one lives. Android Arena. Twit.to slash AAA poll 442. That's where you went last week to place your vote on the apps. And uh, let me, I'm pulling it up here real quick. The winner is Noteblock. Wow. Flow wins wow. again. 52% of the vote. 53% of the vote. Second place is PlantNet, even though my demo failed. Thank you very much for that. 28, almost 29% of votes. And then third place is Birthdays for Android. And that well, is we mentioned Android. drugs during yours. Uh, psychedelic oh, drugs. Oh, so we got, so, so I, got the, I got the drug contingent. <laughs> I got the druggies. Listen, it's psychedelic drugs. So. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, Expand your mind. Apparently, yes. Apparently, I'm that sorry goes a long way. Children listening to this right now, by the way, we do not condone the use of illicit substances. But we do acknowledge that they exist and are illegal Me. in Colorado. Anyway, <laughs> right. continue. Wade County, Ron. Yes. Uh, so I'm sorry. So wait. where where are you? Are you are you researching uh, researching uh, mushrooms right now, or what's going on? A little bit. I got a little out there. So thank you, Wade County. B. I was. I forgot. I was off the show last week, so I was trying to wonder why I wasn't included in those results. Oh. Um, and it's funny because Wade County brings up a topic that I was going to ask about this week, but through 42 oh. weeks, Flo is oh. in first place with 137 points. The guests are 113, and I was curious if we're now in the period where I can just say F it and do crazy apps and wondering how long until I'd be eliminated. But sure enough, Jason with 87 points and me with 81 points have been eliminated from contention completely already. So I got to tell you, there's a weight lifted off my shoulder. As of next week, I will be in the arena with the craziest apps you can find because I I can't win. Flame on. Flow, congratulations. I like this. (laughs) For now. I'm I'm looking forward to this, actually. Congratulations (laughs) for now, although today is only going to help you, Flow, because... (laughs) Because we don't have any guests in the arena. Oh, this yeah. This is your year. True. I'm telling you. This is your year. 
Uh, so there we go. All right. All so right. Ron and I are eliminated. Guests 113, flow 137 through week 42. And a big, huge thank you to Wade County for always doing this each and every week. Really appreciate your work on that. Uh, okay. So I am the returning loser, right? So I will go ahead and go first. No one is a loser on this show. It's okay. I'm talking about myself. Time. I can say it. Right. I think that's how it works. Maybe not. Okay. So my app is called Reflecty. And uh, this app came to my attention last week. The Material Design Awards for 2019, um, the winners were announced. And one of the winners was the app called Reflecty. They won in the category of innovation, which is new directions in the material design system. And so what is Reflecty? It's basically it's a, it's a journaling app. It's an app for, uh, you know, for just journaling and, and reflecting on life. It has an amazing design. Uh, it is a subscription-based app, so you get a seven-day free trial, and then I think it's nineteen ninety-nine per year for this. But, uh, of course, it was called out for its material design, and you can kind of see things have a nice kind of flow and rhythm to it. What you can't feel like I can when you move is that certain actions like this have a nice little light haptic click that happens. It just makes things, it's interesting how that can either be used to annoy you or it can be used to kind of tie the experience together. And it's really satisfying to like snap through these things and feel that haptic uh, kickback. I don't have enough posts in here to actually um, activate these stats. So maybe there, maybe eventually there'll be, um, Victor, there might be a screenshot or whatever that reflects the stats. I'm sorry. I don't have that, but you can see when I go over to compose, it kind of elements appear on the screen in, uh, kind of an orderly fashion, very delicately. Uh, you can see last week's, uh, entry, which I didn't really elaborate on, but new Google stuff on the 15th of October. Uh, and you know, you can, you can kind of dive in there and add maybe an image that's tied to it. If I wanted to add just beautiful shots of the pixel four, I could, I could add those in there and scan through my recent, uh, my recent images or, um, or take some with a camera, that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm not sure what that email button is for, actually. I haven't pressed those, so I'll just leave them because they're not doing anything. Um, you can see, though, why it would be called out for its material design uh, goodness because things just feel like f are fluidly in motion as you're using the app. Uh, things kind of shuffle out of the way. It's just really designed well and beautifully. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put that down and everything swoops over. I'm going to add to today's story. Good evening, Jason. Ready to create a new story? October 22nd, that is today. Let's do it. How was your day today? Hmm, how was my day? Was it really terrible? No, I, I didn't mean that. No, uh, go back. I don't. It wasn't actually really terrible. Can I go back? <laughs> Well, you're stuck with it. I you guess know, you set the manifestation for your day. I so. know. Okay. Well, but from a design standpoint, there is an arrow down there. I should be able to like go back, but it's not letting me do it. Okay. So let's, oh, that was weird. I wanted to just show it off. Maybe it's not ready for that. They need to add that in. Okay. So you can rate your day and this little slider, really terrible, somewhat bad, completely okay. Pretty good. Awesome. Super awesome. I'm going to go with awesome. I don't know what qualifies super awesome, but today was pretty good, so I'll go with um, with awesome. 
what made today pretty good? Well, I would say work because I've done a lot of work. So we'll go ahead and, and, and would you like to elaborate on what happened? Sure. And then I would elaborate. Um, but that's all I'm going to do for right now. <laughs> and then how did you feel throughout the day? Well, I felt happy, but I also felt blessed, lucky, good, confused, stressed, angry, anxious, down. You can just kind of see the playfulness of the design. And again, as I'm cycling through these, I'm feeling that like light haptic kick, which uh, it just is kind of satisfying. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty lucky to do what I do. When was the last time you felt really proud of someone in your family? It gives you a question of the day. Well, and you can elaborate on that. It's just a cool kind of interesting approach on journaling, I think, with your device, posing questions that uh, kind of force you to kind of go down a path and maybe answer something that you didn't know you needed to answer. And my answer is, so go ahead. Done that. Awesome. Another day, another story. Want to give it a catchy title? Sure. All about Android. <laughs> okay, that's a boring title, but it's true. Save the story. And I go ahead and save it. And boom, there's my all about Android entry in all of its glory. When was the last time you really felt proud of someone in your family? <laughs> Uh, and so many more things. So there you go. It's called Reflecty. It's a journal diary app. There's a picture of kind of what the stats look like. And it's just designed really well. The design, from a design perspective, I can completely understand why uh, this with this won one of the material design awards. Again, it's Reflecty, seven-day uh, free trial, and then $29.99 per year. I got that wrong earlier. It's $29.99 per year. And you should check out Reflecty in the Play Store now. All right. And cool. up next is Ron. I've got your app installed. Tell me about it. All right. This is really simple. And this is actually an app called PhotoStack, uh, which is by Corbin Davenport, who actually works for Android Police. I saw them. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw this in their roundup. And it was like a, a, a interesting. Um, this is an interesting use case that I've had in the past. And it's really neat to see it happen. Go to an app. And if you do a lot of photography or web images stuff, uh, this is this could become a game changer for you. Basically, PhotoStack, PhotoStack is a photo importer, uh, resizer, and exporter. Um, and so what we can do here is that the app opens up. You can import images either from your local files or import from Dropbox or from a, a URL uh, somewhere else. So just grab any image, Jason. <laughs> and once you load it in, it gives you a preview of it. There is a, a, a orientation kind of issue I noticed that's putting vertical images as horizontal, et cetera. That's fine. Oh, okay. But just, just be aware of it. But so with this, what you can do is if you've taken a lot of photos and or if you take a nice guy, <laughs> I, love, I, I love that no, how, no, how, no matter what age you are jason you'll still take a photo of a tanker that says got poop. i mean it was in front of me and it said got yeah. poop on it so it's i fair you know and a phone number so i guess this is what yeah. you call when you've got poop is, is yeah. that phone number cool. there you go anyway Anyways. um so it imports imports the photo and what you can do is if you need to resize it if you're taking like raw or huge photos or whatever but you want to save them down for web use or for whatever need need that you might have you can adjust the scaling so you can um in the scaling section you can say what what size width you want let's say you have a website that only takes you know 640 pixel wide images so you say that you hit the resize you can add a watermark if you want and if you're 
photographer, this is key. Um, and the whole watermark, there's a separate page where you can define your watermarks. You can oh, upload okay. images and, and do that. Um, and then when you export it, you can choose between exporting a JPEG, a PNG, or a WebP uh, file. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a total convert to PNG. Uh, portable network graphics are amazing, so I've been mm -hmm. trying to convert everything to PNG. So you can say, say that. You can adjust the image quality if you need to size down the file size of the image. Um, it does on a scale of 1 to 100, uh, you know, so kind of similar to the Photoshop, the old school uh, export tool in Photoshop where you can adjust the image quality via slider. And then you can add a name pattern where you can rename things. So often like if you're taking high-res photos and you want to add, you know, underscore low-res or whatever it might be, you can do that. And then also, if you scroll down to miscellaneous, and if you're you photographers out there will understand this, you can remove the EXIF data. Uh, like um, that. And every photo you take keeps a log of what day, what time, where you were, all, what the device was. It's all the EXIF stuff. And that's cool sometimes, but sometimes you don't want that to be public. And if you're uploading to a website or stuff like that, this will allow you to remove the EXIF data. And then once you import the photo, you can hit export and it will export it out uh, to, you know, to your device. And uh, you can either share to, you know, share to Google Drive or whatever, or you can download them as individual files or it will zip them up. Um, photographers, this is a killer app. Uh, so if you're a ma if you're a major, you know, phone photographer, uh, or using, you know, kind of, uh, you know, really nice SLR and using your phone as a go between between the SLR, it's a great way to do a fast batch resize and export. Um, and then uh, here is where you can define your watermark. So what you can do is if you want to upload an image, um, you see down at the bottom it says select image. Yeah. Uh, very bottom, yeah. So you can upload an image, um, same way as you uploaded a photo. Um, usually it'd be like a logo or something like that, you know. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it's there's be some restrictions there. Yep. If you had like Jason Howell photography as your logo or whatever, if you were a pro photographer, you'd have one of these, Jason. Anyway, that's where you can define your watermark. Fail. So you can you can set up uh, specific watermarks based on whatever you need. So you have options there. It's just really handy, super simple to the point. Um, it's a big deal for photographers. So it's very, very cool. So PhotoStack, um, there is also a, uh, web, there's a desktop version of it as well. Um, if you go to photostack.app, you can check that out. Um, but yeah, PhotoStack free in the Google play store. Nice. Love it. PhotoStack. Uh, and yeah, check it out for free in the play store. All right, Flo, I have your app installed, or is it a game? I'm not sure. Tell me about it. It's a game. So, uh, listen, I know not everybody out there is a fan of click click around games that just kind of click things and do things in the background, but uh, I caught wind of this game on Twitter from one of my pals uh, named Aline, and, you know, I was intrigued by the name. It's called Virtue Reality. So now this actually comes, uh, it's developed by the Islamic Relief Worldwide. So what the game does is it walks you through what it's like to provide relief um, to a disaster area, a war-torn area. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the world right now. And this is the kind of game that it's good for those of us who maybe are a little anxious and just kind of like need, you know, maybe we need something to do. We just kind of need to like click around and, and keep busy, but it's also good just to like teach about the different steps and like how a project starts, uh, what it requires to move forward and how many levels it takes before you really kind of get the ball rolling on it. 
So uh, virtual reality created by a Muslim charity. There are in-app purchases, but I'm going to tell you, I haven't purchased anything yet. Um, I have been playing the game and it's just like, it's just going. All I have to do is click. And once you hit a certain mark, then it just like, it just kind of keeps going. The, you know, the project gets worked on. You start hiring different people um, that you start completing more phases. So those of you who are watching um, the screen will see that Jason's kind of clicking through on the game. And so the more levels that you unlock, the more you will be able to kind of pan down that screen on the bottom. And as you pan through that screen, you'll be able to like hire people for those different levels of projects. And, you know, you'll be able to like train them and all of these things, of course, cost money because that's how the world works. And so what you're really clicking through is, uh, is, is money to kind of like build the dam and hire people to teach people and hire people to come in and help and, and, uh, things of that nature. So it's, uh, Oh, by the way, Jason, you do want to tap on that truck before it goes away. Cause oh, that's going to oh. give you some money. That's that. Well, actually it's uh, supplies. Oh, is I, can what that hi- is, I can hire a helper. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and hire them. Okay. So there's like different, uh, levels and I tell you, like, this thing is moving fast. I have it on my end right now. It's just, like, it's constantly churning. Um, I'm, I make, like, $9 million <sighs> a... by itself now. I don't know, every couple of minutes. And I'm just, like, hiring a bunch of people. And I there's bonuses. And, you know, it's just a good... Like, if you're an anxious person like me, and maybe you're kind of a, a fidgeter, like, you just need to fidget with something. I like this because it's... It doesn't... I mean... It doesn't feel like ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you're learning about disaster relief. Um, so some of the scenarios that this goes through, uh, just kind of going through. So we go from Albania to Somalia, Gaza to Pakistan, Bangladesh to Myanmar. Uh, there's also you can be a aid oh. worker in Syria. Thank you, Victor. Um, you can be on the ground in Pakistan providing shelter to families uh, devastated by the floods. Uh, or you can help those in Mali who are dealing with a drought. And so actually what Jason is building right here, the first level, you're building that micro dam to help uh, deliver life-saving water to the families in need. And of course, everything you do through the app helps the Islamic uh relief worldwide and you can go to their website just um for more information on what they do and the game suitable for all ages so if it's something that you want to toss out to your kids and keep them busy you can do that or you can just use it yourself to kind of keep your hands moving and uh you know just have some have some fun in a bit of a different way in some ways it reminds me of egg ink do you remember egg ink it reminds me of um, uh, crap zoo dis- disco zoo, which was the one that I used to play. That was um, that was a lot of tapping, and that's why I'm kind of I got into it. I was like, okay, this has a lot of tapping. I already like it. Like it's yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a cool flow to brain. It. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of satisfying that now that's going on its own. Now I just want to upgrade these. Oh, I can. I yep. can hire Miriam. Yep. All right. Yes. I mean, you're yeah. going to have to remember, you're going to have to train them the more money you make. Like, Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's it's hard work. 
but I'll do what I got to do. And there's little bonuses. Like sometimes you'll get donations from people and it'll like pop up in the corners. Like you got a nice donation. And you're like, oh, great. I'm going to use that to, you know, it's kind of like a power up sort of thing. Um, and then when you complete the project, that's when you move on to the next one. So you're not just like stuck on, you know, this one project. You you finish this and then you move on to the next one. So. Wow. This, this really, I can totally see like kind of if you've got nervous energy just tapping all these things like, that's, that's it really keeps love. you dialed into it it's like i gotta keep ta- oh it's ready to tap i gotta tap it now yeah very cool it's called virtue <laughs> reality virtue reality good pick like that all right twit.to slash triple a poll 443 to place your vote for your favorite uh app from this week is it reflecty photo stack or virtue Reality twit.to slash AAA poll 443. Victor is circling. What will he land on? Reflecty. Yeah. He either likes design journal. or journals. All right. Or both. Yes. <laughs> yes. Victor's very emo. He's going to take go. care. He's got he's to log his, his feelings. That's right. That's right. Good work, Victor. Uh, all right. Uh, and we have actually another poll. Not to not to yes. muddy the waters, but okay. You may or may not have heard that Twit has a forum now. We have got a community page. If you go to twit.community. I'm in it. It is a, yeah, I believe we're, we're, all, we're, all, we're all there. there. Yep. We're all participating. It's actually a really great community space for uh, fans of the Twit Network, you can see there's a lot of conversation going on there. We have, you know, sections for the shows and conversations and, and you know, hosts from across the Twit Network, uh, both those who work here in the studio and those outside of these walls are all participating. So it's just a really great way to kind of uh, stay in, in contact and conversation with the people who are creating the shows and then for us, for the people who are watching them. And uh, it's just a really cool place. So. What we're wondering is this this community actually has the ability to do polls. So the upside here would be great. We could actually host the polls and it could be tied into the community and everything. And it could be contextualized to the episode. Contextualized to the episode, that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, potentially the downside is, you know, it requires an account in order to do it, but the accounts are free. And it's a cool opportunity for uh, folks like you to get involved with uh, the community pages. And honestly, like the, it's using, I, I, I forget, it was a discourse is the, is the, discourse, um, yes. is the platform. Yep. Um, I use this, I'm on this forum in another, uh, there's a pinball forum that I'm on that is like, has been a game changer for that community just based on the software alone. It's, it, you know, so I'm a big fan of this. So when I saw that Twit community was on there, I was like, oh, sign me up. And like registering for account is not a heavy lift. It is very low lift. It's very easy. The whole thing about discourse is it re- respects your privacy and respects all this, you know, like it's doing all the right things. So it's a good choice on Twit for choosing it. Um, and yeah, you got to log into the site and go to the post, but it's like, we don't have to, we won't have to deal with any of the, you know, what if what we're using now goes away or an influx of India and all that right, sort of stuff. I just, yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, uh, the whole, our whole goal is we want as many people in the audience 
to vote on the poll as possible. And we've seen, you know, over the years, we've seen the numbers fluctuate to hundreds to, you know, a smaller number and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But I think this is a great way to kind of put a shot in the arm in, ter in terms of the all about Android community to have us all be in one spot and have the polls be kind of, you know, something that we can talk about and all that fun stuff. So, I mean, I, I not to advocate what you vote for in either way, but I think it'd be really cool if we moved them here. I think so. it'd be neat. And it's worth, it's worth trying and seeing and, and going from yeah. there. So instead of hosting this week's poll there specifically, Specifically, we're still doing it the same way. Uh, you know, you go to twit.to slash AAA poll 443. You're going to see the same poll that you've been getting for however many months we've been with uh, Cloudflare. Um, but there's a separate poll here. If you go to twit.to slash arena poll, that's basically a poll to let us know what you think. It, it, obviously, it encourages you to sign up and, and take a look uh, at the forum in order to participate. But we want to know from you, like, are you open to this? Uh, do you want to stick with Cloudflare? Are you open to trying it with uh, the community page that we have? So go to twit.to slash arena poll to place your vote. You will need to create an account in order to do that. But again, like it's like Ron said, it's a low uh, effort sort of thing. And then once it's created, you're always logged in, uh, depending on your, the machine that you're using. You know, maybe it's easy enough. Um but at the same time, we, we probably wouldn't opt for this if it means that, like, our participation count goes down to, like, 10% of yeah. what it was before. Like, and, that doesn't make and, any sense either. And that said, this is this is also – and we want this to be as reflective as possible. So, Jason, I'm going to go a little off script here because this poll on the forum to let you choose where to poll should be is kind of – it's making you make an account in order to vote, right? Um, right. And so if for some reason you don't want to make an account, you don't want to participate, just email us and let us know so we can make sure you're counted. Yeah, I mean, th right? this, and we chose this, like we thought about putting it in both places, a poll on each thing. Yeah. But this is really reflective of actually what you would be willing to do. You know, if, if you're willing to sign up for an account, then you will and you'll vote on this and we'll see right. that reflected in the numbers. And we'll be like, whoa, OK, actually, there's some pretty good numbers going on here. Or maybe it isn't. It's really we don't want to do anything to upset, you know, the, the viewers and the listeners um, as far as this is yeah. concerned. But we are curious because, like, we control this and it would solve a lot of problems. So twit.to yeah. slash arena poll. Let us know how you feel and we'll ch we'll check in on that that next week as well yeah and 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 if and if you are a no to the community and you want to host a poll on crowd signal and you don't want to vote in community to tell us that email us what is our email address it's uh sure. a yeah so what is it yeah, AA at twit.tv and just put in the subject, you know, um, what, what we'll call it, say the subject is uh, arena poll and just say, you know, yes, you know, no to community. Yeah, so, what, then, whatever. Just yeah. let us know. Yeah, because we do want to make sure as many people – we have a, a rough number of the hundreds of people that are voting in the polls. And so it would be great if you also reflected your vote here so yeah. we have an honest assessment. I don't want anyone to feel left out totally. or feel like we're making a decision that like uh, spits them out of the process. Absolutely. So. 100% agree. Uh, yeah. But that is that. And that is this episode. Went a little long, but it was packed full of fun and uh, uh, loved the interview with Nick and Florina. And yeah, lo love hanging out with you guys. Flo, Ron, you're every awesome. Week. Each and every week. Yeah. Uh, Flo, what you got going on? Well, you can go to florencelion.com which I just updated. So if you'd like to check in on some of the work that I posted, actually today I had a story go up at Lifehacker, all about the new accessibility features in Android 10. 
which uh, I just like to make a side note. Uh, as much as we were talking about new accessibility features, nobody actually talked about what they were. So you can find out what they were uh, at my article at Lifehacker. And if you're just aching for another podcast to listen to, uh, episode two of Honestly Tech at honestlytechpod.com is up right now. Um, we have officially been accepted into Apple Podcasts, which I understand for those of us listening here, that probably doesn't matter. But I'm going to tell you in this podcasting world, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, you're not going anywhere. So thank you, Apple, for finally <laughs> Sad approving. Sad but true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for finally approving my podcast. And of course, um, if you are a Pocket Casts listener, you can go to, I have to try and remember what the link was, pca.st slash honestly tech. Russell was so kind to give me my own vanity link. So nice. uh, I'm going to go ahead and push that through and say, Ooh, go yeah. check us out on Pocket Casts if you're on Android. Right on. Congratulations on the new show. Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> It is. It is. <laughs> welcome welcome to the club flow. Yeah. Yep. Especially when you're doing like all the components of it and everything. Yeah, it is a lot of work. It takes time. It takes effort. I'm looking for sponsors. <laughs> Put that out Sorry, there. <laughs> Put it out there in the world. That's all. That's right. That's right. Well, congratulations, Fro. Flo. Uh, and what about you, Ron? Well, you can go to uh, twitter.com slash twitter.com. Follow me on Twitter at RonXO <laughs> and on Instagram at RonXO. And since we were talking about cameras and the Pixel 4 and stuff like that, I'm not going to promote any of my projects like Scorbit or Finale or anything like that. Rather, I just want to share, I took possibly the greatest photo I've ever taken on the OnePlus 7 over the weekend. Mm. And it is a shameless plug. It is of my son. But I just wanted to share it with you. So, Victor, I put a link to, there's a the Google Photos uh, link in there that you guys can see it. I just, this is, this is who I I would share this moment with um oh, i don't know if it was picture. the i don't know if it was the 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 sunlight in the apartment at the moment like it i must have taken it like in the middle of the afternoon somehow i got him to sit still it, it was just it, it it's possibly the greatest photo i've ever taken it's and i know I, I, I owe a lot of it to one plus the one plus seven oh, so that's a, that's a, i mean is solid that a, shot that's a gr I mean, like I got and like I got the back. I got the the out of focus in the back. He's in yeah. focus in the subject, right? It's just it, it's crazy. So yeah, that, very proud. that looks great. Yeah. Look at that, look he, at that little guy. He's a handsome. He's a handsome fella. Oh, yeah, he he's is. adorable. This is like a, it's or, like it's like a yeah. it's like a school photo pose. Totally. Like the kid is the kid is ten months today. To be honest, today is his ten their ten month birthday. Um, and I don't know how he stood still that whole time. So that's amazing. Oh, I love so, it. So, yeah. yeah, that's my this. Smile. That's my parental achievement so far in the past year. <laughs> that photo. Yeah. Well, you'll take many, 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 oh, no, many, many more I'm shots. Already the, I'm already in the thousands. I counted yeah, every morning. Great. I wake up with your babies, and it it you know what? It starts my day off right. So thank you, Ron. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> great shot. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, yep. Thank you, Victor. Appreciate all your hard work each and every week, and for tonight as well. Thank you. No problem. Uh, let's see here. What should I do here? Oh, oh, by the <laughs> way, it's almost the end of the year. You know what that means? Ooh. Best ofs. I'm, best I'm whispering it because I have to accept that best ofs are around the corner. And at some point very soon, I have to start collecting moments. <laughs> you can help me. 
please, by going to twit.tv slash best of. Twit.tv slash best of. If there are any moments from this year, we're not doing the the kind of best ofs that's like every little mo- like nook and cranny moment from throughout the year like I used to do a couple of years ago. And it used to be sheer torture on Victor to have to edit it. So it's going to be about an hour long. Um, you know, So we need like a handful of really great moments from the show. So if anything stands out to you and you have any indication as far as when it was, even roughly, I would appreciate that. Twit.tv slash best of. And that gives me something to, to search for. Uh, but that is it for this week. This podcast publishes every Tuesday evening. Subscribe at twit.tv slash AAA. That's the most important thing that you can do. Subscribe, then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to seek it out. It delivers to you automatically. You already know this, but if you're not subscribing already, do it. And the place that you go is twit.tv slash AAA to find out how to do that. Legally, leave us a voicemail, 347-SHOW-AAA. Send us an uh, email at AAA at twit.tv. And you can follow twit.tv on all the socials. Uh, of course, Twitter, at twit, Instagram, twit.tv. Uh, we are all on Instagram and Twitter and everything. So find us there. Just do a search for us. You'll find us. And that's about it for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of All About Android. Bye, everybody.